Welcome to the Financial Coconut Podcast Network, the leading personal finance podcast network in Singapore. I'm your host, Reggie, aka your chief financial coconut, and every Tuesday, you will be spending more time with me. <laughs> and sometimes, I will be bringing some friends along as I take you through various leading ideas that I find interesting and worthy of your time in the personal finance world today. I've decided to call this segment First Dips, hoping that you and I can get first dips on these leading ideas. Okay, coconuts, not so great news is recession continues to shadow the discussion out there today and every week it just sounds a bit more and more and more shady, right? So I get it, I hear you and uh, I also get it if you're very jaded to consume every week, take a break. You know, sometimes I meet some of the listeners and they be like, yo, Paisa, I very long never consume it. I'm like, bro, even I don't consume it every week, okay? Like a lot of the things that I record, I no longer consume, right? Just it gets tiring. I get it. And if you need to like catch some comedy stuff, please go and catch some comedy stuff. Relax, you know. And whatever topics catch your eyes, great, go for it. If it doesn't, that's fine. You know, hang around. Whenever you're ready, you want to consume more. You think market is ready, wants to come up, and you can consume and catch back on some other things. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. But today we're going to focus on recession, right? So we're going to talk about the three ideas that uh, millennials, you and I, can consider in this recession. I have decided to target millennials because, say, most of you are millennials, right? So I'm speaking to the main audience. And I think by characterizing millennials and knowing where we are, what kind of time frame we have, where are we in our current spending and our current income bracket, right? We have a bit more clarity on what are the strategies that work. So I'm going to spend time with Brian from Forever Financial Freedom. <laughs> so welcome back. So good morning, everyone. I welcome you to another day with Financial Coconut. In our podcast, we're banking financial myths, discovering best financial practices and discussing financial strategies that fits our unique life. You get it. Ultimately, empowering us greater life. We love while managing our finances well. I am your host, Reggie, aka your chief financial coconut. And today we are going to spend time with Brian to talk a little bit about some of the millennials financial strategies to get through this recession together. Hard times, hard times. So maybe before we begin, you can uh, introduce yourself a little bit you know, to our audience that don't know you and, and all that. Yeah, sure. So thanks for, for hosting me on the show. I'm happy to be, to be here. My name is Brian. So I, well, I, am, I was from uh, Indonesia, actually, so I but I went to, to Singapore for, for a very long time and I've stayed here for many, many years. So I have now actually converted to a Singaporean as well. <laughs> okay. So yeah. Welcome, welcome to the group. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, I mean, like, like, like everyone else, um, I, uh, I, I work as an employee here in, in Singapore in, in a travel industry. I also, at the same time, co-write a financial blog 
called the Three Forever Financial Freedom, which sort of chronicled my my entire journey uh, right from when I started working about like 10, 12 years ago until today. Um, so yeah, so that's basically. Three Forever Financial Freedom. Why three? Yeah, because I was thinking, what, what's a good name, right? And mm. uh, we, we, I think in the in the US, uh, people were talking about FIFI, right? So Financial Independence. So I was I wanted to be you know like sort of slightly different. So I so I call it like financial freedom instead. Yeah, and I wanted to make it like uh you know kind of a synonym three F because they are like uh, FFF, right? So okay, three F. Okay. okay, fair point. How, how long have you been writing? I think for our listeners that uh, don't really know you yet. Sure, sure. Yeah, I I've been running for about twelve years now. Uh, Damn, bro, that is a super long running project. <laughs> exactly, man. I think I think there were so many times when. I wanted to quit, like uh, you know, I wanted to take a break. There are or some ideas just couldn't flow out of my of my head, right? Or, I know, I know. Do, right? Trust me, I know. Exactly. <laughs> so I want to quit so many times. You know? Yes, yes, we are. Yes, exactly. yes, yes. But but I think I think it's uh, it's good that you know until today uh, managed to to keep it running and and to see that progress, right? I mean, if I if even if I if I read my own articles today. For the few years which I have written much earlier, it's obviously a journey. Uh, I can see that that uh, I'm growing. I mean, it, not just in terms of the financial aspect, but in terms of the, the mindset and the entire journey before I, before I got married, and then I, before I got a kid, and then now I'm a family man and things like that. So hopefully, you'll be around for the next ten years as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then your kid can take <laughs> over, and then you know. <laughs> And then yeah, things, sort of like things compound, <laughs> right? And then it continues. <laughs> Hopefully so. <laughs> yeah, but for all of you listening, uh, I decided to get Brian on the show because of the blog, right? So I actually came across a few of the articles. I was like, yeah, it looks pretty good, right? So there are a lot of good juices. So for all of you tuning in, you should check out his blog. But specifically for today, I think we wanted to spend some time to talk about how millennials right, can double down on this current recession situation. So there's a very specific parameter here, right? Millennials first, right? So maybe Brian, you can kick us off like, what's so special about this group called millennials? Yeah, I think the, the thing about millennials today, right? Especially in today's cost of environment, high inflation, high cost of living is rising. Wait, are you a millennial first? <laughs> I don't. I won't consider myself a millennial anymore. So you're on the tail. You're on the tail end. You're the old, ask, elder yes. millennial, elder one. Exactly. I'm, I'm at the tail end. Okay. Yes. <laughs> not yes, that yes. it is a good. Not that it is a good thing, but mm, 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 mm. but at least uh, I can totally see the difference. Uh, the, uh, the the stress level, right? Uh, I, I was. Every one of us uh, used to be a once a millennial, myself included. And today, looking back at millennials right now, they're facing a much more kind of pressure and environment right so a lot more difficult to to get jobs and especially in this tough so-called like almost potentially recessionary market so not easy to get a job not easy to secure a good job and uh, your pay is not rising as much but everything else the cost of living is, is rising <laughs> including housing right so, so yes. what can you say yes yes someone was telling me yakun is at what six dollar twenty cents now or something like exactly. that. exactly crazy right i, I mean, was like oh my goodness my, my someone shared me a photo i was like are you in london <laughs> no i was like singapore price i was like oh crazy stuff yeah, crazy insane. stuff yeah yeah okay okay cool so i think millennials like you said right it's in a very awkward situation we go through a lot of cycles and this happens to be one of the very horrid situations so specifically to all of you listening in which most of our listeners are millennials we know where you're at 
Okay, we know <laughs> we know we vibing Welcome. here. Yeah, we vibing here, right? So, with that as the backdrop, Brian, what is the first point that you have for us? How should we play this current recession? Yeah, I think these uh, these recessionary times are very stressful times, right? Not just for um, each individual like you and me, uh, but also for companies worldwide, right? So basically, everyone is just trying to sort of tough it out this one to two years, and then you know see how it plays out. As an individual, I think you know going through a, a, a bear market or a recessionary times is a very stressful time, right? So the one thing that I wanted to make you know keep myself sane at least is to at least get my income ongoing. So for me personally, uh, because I work for a company, so I, I do receive regular monthly income, and that helps a lot. I mean, not just from that from the dollars and cents, uh, but in terms from the from your emotional set, right? Uh, the fact that you know you got that regular paycheck coming in during these tough times are going to help a lot even in your investing in these times. Obviously, cost of living is rising a lot. So, you know, your bills never stops coming, right? You, you, it's not that it's a, it's a recession and then suddenly your electricity bill is going to come down. In fact, it's gone up, right? So, you know, the fact that you have this uh, regular paycheck... It's always paycheck going up, just saying. Exactly. <laughs> it never comes never down. Comes never down. comes down. Oh always go. Always got reason to to adjust up. Never exactly. ever comes down. Yes, yes. <laughs> but so what I'm hearing is to stay employed, right? Essentially, get an income. So are you telling us to not do the great resignation thing? <laughs> well, I think the the great resignation thing was uh, not not too long ago uh, a very popular idea, right? Where where people just wanted to. It's still a popular idea. You know? it's, still, it's still ongoing. It's still it is, happening. Yeah? yeah, I think still a lot of people are doing it. <laughs> yeah. I think to be fair, uh, a lot of opportunities out there, right? We're not just talking about one source of income where you directly have to you know, get your source of income from just being an employee. I think these, uh, these are times where you can actually make money a lot you know, everywhere as long as you work hard. Make money off YouTube videos, short, short videos or podcasts. <laughs> or even just writing I would say it's a lot harder, la, you know, but it is, it <laughs> it's is, a lot harder it than what you think it is. But yes, yes. Okay, okay. Interesting, interesting. So what about your own experience? I mean, you, you went through great financial crisis. You went through, like, I mean, we all went through the COVID situation. So how is staying employed, you know, helping you to through all these recession times? Yeah, I think I, uh, my own story comes from, came from uh, the fact that I actually graduated right at the depth of the great financial crisis. So I graduated back in 2008. So that was when the entire global financial crisis unfolded, right? So I had actually quite difficult times at back then securing a job. I went for, I mean, like, like most others, I went for many, many interviews, you know, applied for many jobs, but it got very little in return, right? So I think I, Fortunately, I took uh, about like four or five months to secure a job. And, and from then on, even there were pay cuts, there were no bonus, there were no increments. So everyone was just basically uh, staying during that times to float and to, to float around to make sure that, you know, in the, in the next few years, you can still survive, the company can still survive and grow from there. Yeah, and, and, and also not, not, not so long ago, I think we all faced that, uh, that COVID situation, right, in 2020. Two zero two zero, and uh, a lot of companies as well were affected. So myself included. I think even my my, my income were also being cut 40 percent for mm. about six months or so. It's I mean not as bad as others who obviously lost their their jobs totally right and cannot find a new one. But still, to have your money income suddenly cut by 30 40 percent is like no joke. 
Yeah. Like, you know, your, your bills are not like going off by 30-40%. So it's really stressful time. But I'm glad that, you know, we went through that one. I went past that. Managed to get stronger. And I mean, the entire thing is just about mentally going through these uh, difficult times. And, and once you pass this, uh, you will look back uh, in, you know, in good memory. Can you help me elaborate a little bit? Because when people talk about staying employed, rarely do I hear this whole like mental side of things. You know, like how, you know, which I think is interesting because there's a lot of studies around, you know, having something repetitive, right? To, to keep you kind of going to it. Right? So I, I, maybe that's where you're coming from. I want to hear your viewpoint on like, how is staying employed keeps you sane or like, you know, keeps you strong through this process? Sure, sure. Yeah. I think I think the fact that you are uh, you have your uh, you have things to do, right? You have work to do. Uh, it gives you a lot of. But now you have fortitude. kids to take care of, so that there's a kid. Exactly. As, as I hear your kids. Is that your kid? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, yes. About no worries. No worries. So, yeah. so so yeah. So I mean, being able to stay employed, I think, gives you a very strong mental fortitude, right? Because at the at the end of the day, every one of us have twenty four hours. I know we have families, we have things to do, passion, hobbies, right? But to be able to have that uh, productivity, you know, the fact that you you keep your your brain and productive and, and your mental state ongoing, especially during these uh, recessionary times, is very important because you keep yourself up to date with whatever the companies are doing, right? So, uh, you also learn. You also you also don't just like do your work and that's it. You you grow over time with the company. You sort of like grow your uh, grow your resume and things like that. So. You gain all this experience by actually doing difficult work. And these difficult works usually come from difficult environment like today. Very interesting point. Don't really hear people talk about you know, how, how having work keeps you sane. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, so that's great. And, and I think for a lot of us listening in that you think like, oh, maybe it's recession. I want to take a break. I want to do nothing else. You know, if that is what you, you are pursuing, I think it's also fair. But from a personal experience from someone that has kind of like traveled around for a prolonged period, right? Uh, suddenly being thrown into a situation where you don't really have a lot of things to do may not be the healthiest either, right? Exactly. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a little bit of transition here and there. Just be conscious about it and kind of pace yourself. Okay, so thank you for point number one. Uh, and now let us go to point number two. How should a millennial play this recession? Sure, I think the, the second uh, point is, uh, will be more towards a little bit more on the investing side, right? And at the end of the day, uh, we want to take advantage of these recessionary times, right? And uh, a bear market in a tough environment like today is your best bet for your longer-term ROI return on your investment. Especially if you are a millennial, your time horizon is a much longer runway than, uh, than anyone else. You should definitely look forward to these times from an investment point of view because you have a much longer runway. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. 
We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Okay, yes. Yeah, so accumulating every interval essentially is on the investment side of things, right? Point number two, right? Expand a little bit this for us. Sure, yeah. I think the the easiest way to come and tackle a, a bear market without getting more into emotionally invested in yourself is by investing at regular intervals i know this sounds almost like a like a very boring advice right but to be able to regularly put off your emotion aside uh, put off all the bear market news that you you read and watch on, on social media and things like that takes a very strong courage and, and effort more than uh, what anyone else thinks so to be able to put your sum of money regularly during a, a particular interval it can be once a month or it can be twice a month or once in two months up to you, right? But the point is that what the point that I'm trying to say is that if you do this consistently, you put your emotions out of the entire picture and once the entire pay markets runs out uh, over the next, let's say one, two, three years, you will be able to put yourself in much very strong positions uh, when the next uh, cycle comes in. I think a lot of people have already heard something along these lines, right? Like invest and, you know, acquire at the bottom, blah, blah, blah. So to expand on the discussion, right? What is your experience like in terms of acquiring, you know, during bad times? How, how does it really work in practice for you, right? From an emotional, from a strategic standpoint, mm. all that. Sure. Yeah, because I think I think in, uh, uh, in investment, a lot of people, I mean, everyone... In fact, like uh, you want to be able to sell your investment at the at the higher, right? And then you want to be able to re-enter back when the market bottoms, right? So that's what everyone wants. <laughs> yeah, sounds, but, sounds I mean, so good, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, it sounds good to be true, right? So and 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 funny thing is that everyone thinks they can do that, right? Everyone thinks they can nicely time the market at the high and then rebuy uh the market at the low, but. Especially the professionals, right? I mean, that's, that's why okay, exactly. <laughs> that's Especially why they call the themselves managers, a professional. The yeah. fund managers and professionals, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and even themselves, the, the smartest people of all these banks and investment bankers, they didn't get it right all the time. In fact, I think if you look at the, a lot of fund managers record, which uh, tends to go in and out, uh, tends to lack uh, a person who is basically just putting in regular intervals money at S&P 500 over the long run, right? And you can do that by easily just putting, just, you know, without putting a more emotionally invested in, in, in things like that. Because the fact that you're trying to time it, uh, the market by selling at the high, rebuying at the low, it's extremely stressful process, right? Because you have to constantly keep up with the, with the news, the media, the noises from your friends. And it's just so tiring. And at the end of the day, you, you have to get like uh, your, your two timing correct. One is at the selling. And one is at the buying, right? And it's, it's never easy to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what I'm hearing also, you're talking a lot about, you know, this whole like buying the broad base, right? Or like, like you know, it's S&P 500. Essentially, is the, the broad base of the American index, right? So for our listeners, 
you know, th- there's a whole spectrum of people, right? Some people are like stock pickers and some people will be more like broad-based, you know, more index funds. You know, what, what, what are your thoughts? You know, can I say advice? Advice very contentious. Mm. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what, are your, what are your thoughts around this? So let's say I want to accumulate, okay, during hard times, especially during tough times, right? Good times, you buy whatever, stone throw away, you also make money. Right? So during, <laughs> during tough times now, <laughs> what would you accumulate or how would you, yeah, essentially, how would you do it? Sure. Yeah, I think I think the global index uh, funds, right? Like like you mentioned, the the S and P, or the the global uh, emerging market ETFs. It's a very safe bet over the long run, right? I mean, you still have to segregate your portfolio allocation. You don't put like hundred percent in in one basket, right? Obviously, but you know, especially if you don't go too much into investing or investing yourself, you don't want to invest a lot of time in in all these aspects. These ETFs are basically your best bet. You will never go wrong with, you know, index fund like S&P 500 because it basically consists of a lot of multinational companies basket at one go, right? Of course, if you like a little bit more work in depth, deep dive a little bit into companies and you enjoy this part of your research analysis, then you can, of course, go into a little bit more stock picking. And this is where all the all the fun part comes in, right? Because you know some companies may give you much better return than S and P, but vice versa, right? You can get like a lot worse uh, return. So so you get your good and bad, and yeah. Okay, so it's not a situation where during harder times people should just buy the index, you know, or or it should it should be a situation where you just stick to what you believe in and what you're good at. So you know, you know, you know what I'm coming from. Like, is it because now it's a bad time? So okay, instead of picking, why not just take the whole thing? You know, and then, exactly. Yeah, is there is there something like that, or just stick to your plan? For me personally, I think it's uh the the S and P for example is is never it never goes wrong, right? It's it's a, it's a bulletproof plan, whether during good times or bad times, at least. For stock picking, it's a little bit more tricky because. In bad times like right now, for example, a lot of companies, some of the potentially strong companies, their fundamentals may get structurally affected. And if you're not careful about doing more in-depth analysis on that particular company, you may get a longer term uh, mode which might be affected, right? So we all know, for for instance, Netflix used to be a very strong player, right? But but recently, because of the competition, because of valuation and, and the environment today, they are, they, are, they are facing quite a bit of tough journey in the next three to five years, for instance. So you do have to do more homework, I would say, on, on each particular companies than, let's say, an index fund. Okay, fair, cool. And um, tangential question, are you concerned about the US dollar? You know, because the people are talking about, oh, if the US dollar is going to no longer be the reserve currency and then that will shake the whole, essentially the whole US financial structure, right? If the whole thing gets devalued, you know, are you concerned about something like that? Not right now, probably. Because I, I, know the, I know the USD has been going very strong like in, the, in recently. In fact, Euro, Euro and many other currencies are going the other direction. But yeah, but I think US will still play a, a very strong role, uh, US dollars right, in the next few years. I know a lot of people are talking about China as the next superpower and you know the next reach of currency and so on. But I think in terms of from a structural point of view, there's there are still a lot to be done from China to convince the world. I know otherwise. Okay, good point. Which brings us to point number three, and what is the third strategy for all of us? 
Yeah, so the third strategy is actually another strategy which kind of uh, complement point number two, which is to, to do regular intervals uh, on your investment. Uh, but this one goes a little bit more slightly in depth for more, I would say, experienced investors or investors who like to learn a little bit more, uh, especially options, right? So for, for options, basically the, uh, without going into very technical, uh, the, the entire idea of option is basically to also average in your price at regular intervals at the price that you are basically comfortable at. So for instance, a very easy example would be, let's say if Apple is trading at $100 today and you don't think that $100 is good enough or at least safe enough, maybe you want, you want to enter it a 10% lower at, let's say, $90. Options actually allow you to have the strategy to, to allow you to wait uh, for, for Apple price to, to go down to $90, but at the same time, it will pay you uh, what it costs, like a, a premium in return. For you to wait right so while basically the, the entire idea is while you are waiting for apple to price to drop to 90 dollars you are basically getting a, a little bit of money from the the other sellers mm-hmm. help us expand a little bit because i think options is firstly is it is a it's a derivative so there's a lot of other strategies that people play with depending on what are their goals right so what is this particular option strategy that you are thinking of and that you think yeah, it's worth the discussion. Sure, yeah, I agree. Like, I think options has a lot of very, uh, have, a, have a very basic or complex strategies, right, depending on, on how you use them. And and I think one caveat to, to mention is options is never as safe or risk-free as uh, many people would put it that way. Like in, in a bull market, people would, would just say option is like free money, right? Risk-free, free money, everyone is making money, uh, but it is not as easy as that. You still have to have that very strict discipline to use option as to complement your uh, longer term strategy in order to do that. So one, one strategy which I use personally for myself is a, what we call the option wheels strategy, which is a um, basically a, a selling put strategy to buy in. And once I, I own um, that mother share position, I usually will take the other opposite end of direction. I will then sell my call uh, position in order to wait for uh, for that price to be able to buy and sell. So technically, what is that complements from your from everyone's traditional strategy is basically the same. We want to buy low and sell high, right? And an option just complement option wheel strategy complements that by similarly asking you to buy low and sell high, but they will pay you the premium for buying low, for waiting to buy low, and for you to wait to sell high. Mm, okay. Can you help us elaborate a little bit on like, what is the, you know, every strategy sounds perfecto, right? On the game, <laughs> right? But what is the potential like downside that this thing can happen? Yeah, I think the, the potential downside is you have to look at it from a risk point of view. So obviously option is not as uh, risk-free as many people would have thought. If things go out of your way, you can have margin call, especially if you don't have cash, for example, to buy that particular share uh, when you get called, right? And then, of course, secondly, is that uh, one drawback with option is also because it works on a minimally 100 shares, so one contract, which is equivalent to 100 shares of the uh, US shares. So some companies like Tesla or maybe Booking.com, 
100 shares, it's, it means like it's hundreds of thousands at one go. So you, no joke, like you, uh, if you get called in, basically you have to have 200, 300,000 to buy booking.com or even to buy Alphabet, right? So you just have to make sure you, you, you cover yourself and have uh, the cash to, uh, to be able to cover yourself uh, and not play this uh, just purely on margin. Okay, cool. And I, I think for this particular strategy, it's quite well documented out there already. But if you want more specific you know, ideas on how this is done, you can always check out Brian's blog. All right, so in closing, is there any other thing you want to share with us, you know, aside from these three points, specifically to the millennials trying to overcome these very hard times when Yakun Kaya Toast is 620? You know, <laughs> like, yeah, tell us. Yeah, I think I think one 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 strategy which uh, I I have em- embedded in my blog, right? As right when I started working, I think we I, I always put it as three levers. So my my potential three levers will come from uh, one number one source of income. Obviously, you want to grow your source of income as many as 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 high as possible from as many sources as possible, right? Number two, uh, my my second lever would come from your savings, right? It doesn't matter how high you earn, but if you spend a lot, then it kind of destroys your entire thing. So point number two, levers number two would be on savings. Uh, you should have, as a millennial, I think you should aim for minimally 50% of your savings rate, especially if you are still single and doesn't have a family. <laughs> and then, speaking, <laughs> speaking, from, speaking from experience, after transiting <laughs> to become a family man. Yeah, yes, it yes. just goes, goes all the way Everything down. gone. <laughs> hey, where, where's my savings? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then reverse number three would then come from your investment, basically compounding return and uh, how to grow your money over time. So I think these three levers, uh, ideally, you should be good in minimally two out of the three. The best is, of course, three, three out of the three. But if you're only good in one out of the three, that will kind of spell trouble. Especially if you don't even have zero, if you have zero out of the three, right? Mm, mm. Yeah, so it doesn't matter if you earn a very high income, but if you don't know how to save, you don't know how to compound your, your return, you're, you'll not do as, as good as, as it is. Yeah, yeah, but we... We all start somewhere. So yes, uh, let's, let's see how to keep improving together. Okay, so thank you for joining us today and thank you all you coconuts for tuning in today on this new format that I'm trying called Facilitated Monologues, right? Where it's not just me, but friends of the show to come on the show to share with you more. So anything more uh, you want to read from Brian, check out 3foreverfinancialfreedom.com. Link is in the description below. Thank you, Brian. See you. Bye. Thank you. Thank you, Reggie. Thanks all. Bye. Okay, so I hope you uh, enjoyed what Brian shared. I know the last strategy is options can be a little bit more complicated. If, if you coconuts really want to learn that, and you really want us to break down a little bit more, I think I'm ready to share with you a little bit more about options, right? And I'm not saying that it is easy. I'm not saying that it is a great strategy, especially in a highly volatile market, you get caught. You know, there are a lot of things that happen in the option strategy. I know some people say, oh, then you do the iron condor law or you like, you know, buy the buy the lower one. <laughs> so I know, I know, I get it, right? So there are many different ways to play that. 
just want to caution everybody that options is not a strategy for everyone it's a little bit higher order which is why it's the third one like the most up there but if you coconuts you really want it come to our telegram group talk to us and let's see let's see how we can kind of build something around there and we are fastly entering tax season even if you don't make a lot of money yeah most likely you will pay tax (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Most likely, you pay tax, lah, right? depending on where you are. And next week, I want to talk a little bit about tax, right? So what are some of the tax brackets or tax buckets that Singaporeans pay? So once a year kind of thing, lah, every time there will be a little bit of discussion of tax, how to be a bit more structurally smart with tax. But this year, I want to talk a little bit different. I want to talk about the big taxes that you and I, we pay. And by setting that backdrop, I hope you get a bit of clarity on like, how do you then optimize this or how do you then look at taxes, right? Because to be clear, I think Singapore's tax structure is really very lean. That's why there's not a lot of content teaching how to optimize this. Or it's very optimized already. HR Sally will sort out for you, okay? Sally for HR will give you a place to say, ah, you just pay like that, right? So... <laughs> Sally from HR is like a like a running joke at this point in time. Anyway, if you're really Sally from HR, right? Uh, I'm not saying I'm not saying anything. Nothing personal, okay? It's just a personal in my head, right? But yeah, next week I want to talk a little bit about tax, and I hope it gives you a better clarity on the overall tax structure in Singapore that you will experience, right? And because there are many other things that you don't experience, and with that, maybe be a little bit smarter with your taxes, be a little bit more optimized. See you next week.